Welcome to the History of California podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we're going to finish up with the Spanish period by talking about ranchos, which is a topic that kind of covers both the end of the Spanish period as well as the beginning of the Mexican period. Um, next time we're going to have another interview. I hope you guys liked the first interview that we did. Um, and this one's going to be just as good. Uh, we have a professor from San Jose State uh, who's an expert in Spanish literature coming to talk to us about the Mexican War for Independence. And I know uh, you're going to love it, and it uh, really was a great episode and a lot of fun to talk to him. So without further ado, let's get to today's topic, which is ranchos. <music> Like many of you, I've spent a lot of times indoors during this pandemic. There are not many safe places to be outside. One safe place, uh, not in your house or your apartment, is your car. My partner, um, based on the advice of a retired couple who we're friends with, uh, was told to take a drive, uh, to go down a road that you've never been on before. Uh, this seemed like a good idea given how many days in a row we'd been in the house and so we climbed in our car and decided to drive to the foothills east of our home um, at the base of the Sierra Nevadas. Now it's that time of year when the grass starts to die and the hills of California start to turn that golden color that gave the Golden State Warriors their name um, and some people see it as a sign of death but it also is pretty in its own way. Now, as we drove deeper into the foothills, the road became empty, uh, while the animal life actually increased. Uh, looking out the window along the hills, there were cattle peacefully grazing or napping in the afternoon sun. This is before it's in those triple digits. Um, when we were driving back, we passed a truck uh, pulled off the side of the road. Around the truck were 30 or 40 horses gathered around this man who was either filling water or giving them food. Now, aside from the missions and the presidios, one of the earliest economic activities in California in the post-indigenous period were ranches, or to use the Spanish word, ranchos. Now, let's start with the basics. What is a rancho? The word can have a few different meanings, but it mostly refers to a place where cattle are raised or livestock. Um, and it has a similar meaning to the word ranch has in English. The first ranchos during the Spanish period were attached to presidios, uh, they were created uh, preceding the Mexican War of Independence, which we will get to next time, and were primarily used to raise cattle. Now, the purpose of these ranchos, at least in their initial uh, manifestation, was to reward soldiers who were stationed uh, at the Presidios for their work. In fact, many of the early ranchos were created adjacent to Presidios, but would later expand further and out as more land was explored in California. Now, the process for acquiring a rancho was quite complicated. There was a four-step process in even applying to get one. And here's a brief overview from an article by Chris Perez um, in 1982 about the steps to get a rancho. The first step was submitting uh, a petition by an applicant containing the name, religion, residence occupation, and the size of the family, along with a land description and, at the, at the times, the map of the land. The map and the land description were usually very vague, calling to sloths, trees, and hills and other features um, which were not permanent. The second step was the inquiries by officials into the availability of the land, the character of the applicant, and posting of the petition in case another party had objections to the approval of the application. 
The third step was called an informe, which was usually a separate document or note appended to the original application stating the findings of the officials in step number two. This third step usually entailed the actual grant of land or refusal of the grant of the land. The fourth and final step was the confirmation of the grant by the viceroy. This final step was made, in this final step, the, the title was made uh, to the landowner. The application or applicant and or the grantee was given possession of the land by a local judge, um, and uh, a few words were said before uh, the process was finished, end quote. It's a very complicated process, as you can tell, um, and this is made even more interesting because California was very much of a frontier, um, and so there wasn't a lot of government, and yet uh, the Spanish government was trying to exert a lot of control about how land was distributed. Now, ranchos in many ways were part and parcel of a larger plan by the Spanish government to establish pueblos, or farming communities, as a larger part of the settlement of Central, North, and South America. So then if you had to summarize the four major settlement types of the Spanish period of California, they were missions, presidios, ranchos, and pueblos. They were all interconnected and part of this larger mission of colonization that we've talked about before. But they each had their own unique components and idiosyncrasies. Anyway, let's get back to ranchos. The original people during the Spanish period who operated ranchos were either soldiers uh, with demonstrated loyalty to the Spanish government or settlers that came with Ansa on that famous expedition that we spent an episode talking about from before. Many of these ranchos, as they were called, would refer to themselves uh, after Mexican independence as Californios. So the people that operated the mission, these ranches were called Californios. Their identity developed in a separate channel from Mexico, where most of the population, urban centers, and cultural connectedness would be found. They were kind of their own separate world. It's important, like I said before, to think about California as a frontier, a wild land, where there's a few settlements, but mostly it's rural, um, populated by indigenous people and without a sense of government or structure um, in much the ways that it is in uh, the more southern parts of the colonies of Mexico. Um, now, even though uh, Rancho's primary function was for cattle and grazing, uh, farming was also a feature of these properties. Orchards, vineyards, and all the things we think about when we see California agriculture today were present back then in these early ranches. Now, just like on missions, native people were used as labor on these ranchos, uh, completing the hard work that needed to be done to keep them functioning. Um, many of the ranches uh, had similar trees that are grown all along the 5 and the 99 freeway today. Now, one of the permanent features uh, of our landscape that owes its legacy to the ranchos is the ranch house. Uh, the ranch house is the long, close-to-the-ground profile of houses that are common all across the United States. Uh, but they have their origin in the Spanish period of colonization. Some of the other features of these types of houses were long front porches that ran the length of the front of the house, internal courtyards, wide eaves that helped to protect the home from that beating California sun. Uh, the modern ranch house was actually said to have been invented by Cliff May in 1932, a California resident who died in the year 1989. He began building houses of this variety in the early 1930s in San Diego and Los Angeles County. By the 1950s, nine out, of every, nine out of every 10 homes in the United States was built in this style. Cliff May's homes in particular were more concerned about function rather than curbside appeal. 
1936 may explain for himself, reading, quote, The early Californians had the right idea. They built their homes for seclusion and the comfort of their families, for the enjoyment of relaxation in their homes. We want to perpetuate these ideas of home building, end quote. I've been eyeing a book called by, uh, about Cliff May and his modern roundhouse style, but I, the cheapest I can find it online is well over $100. So if anyone comes across the book called Cliff May and the Modern Ranch House, let me know. Now, ranch style houses declined in popularity and ubiquity after the passage of Proposition 13 in the 1970s. It was a tax law in California that had some complicated effects, one of which uh, it led to developers decreasing the size of lots in which they built on and the increase of the now ubiquitous two-story home, which I live in. Uh, with that, the ranch-style house, uh, in a lot of ways, became a thing of the past, even though you know, if you're looking for a home in California, a uh, used home, uh, particularly one built before the 1980s, you're typically going to find a ranch house. Now, as a final uh, thought before we end this conversation about ranchos, let's talk for a moment about vaqueros. Uh, as many of you know, uh, horses were imported to the United States from other places, particularly Europe. Um, and with the Spanish government, um, they began to import horses uh, right from the beginning of their invasion and colonization of Mexico in the 16th century. The native people were taught how to ride on these horses, uh, typically with well-trained horses at first. Um, and then indigenous people also learned uh, rope skills. And this was all part of a a larger project of building a labor supply of ranch workers. Now, livestock production flourished in California, which makes sense. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of grazing land here. Um, at the same time that the mission system cropped up, uh, the products of the burgeoning livestock industry in California at first were transported with pack mules to Mexico City, where they were exported. Now, you can imagine uh, hauling heavy livestock products to Mexico City by mules uh, <laughs> would take a long time. Uh, but in the early 1800s, uh, an alternative uh, economy was set up through uh, ports in California. Uh, American ships as well as other, other ships began visiting the ports of California along the coast where the missions were um, in the Presidios. And uh, these created markets all along the coast where ranchers could sell their products. Uh, now, herding the cattle to the ports was the job of the vaqueros, the vaqueros, or the expert riders and herders. Uh, the American cowboy was actually fashioned in some ways from these vaqueros. Um, when Americans began to migrate to California during the gold rush, they not only adopted the style of vaqueros, but they also began to intermarry with ranch families. Now, in terms of ethnic origin, vaqueros were generally mestizos, uh, the product of Spanish and indigenous families, and the odors of the ranchos were typically Spanish-born North Americans, or Creos. Uh, this class difference is emblematic of the broader racist patterns in Spanish society toward indigenous people that we've highlighted here before in both direct and indirect ways. And I think it's worth noting that the term vaquero literally means cowman, and when it was translated to English, it became cowboy. I'm not sure what that says about our culture, and I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Now, the end of the ranch period is something that we'll arrive at when we talk about the Mexican-American War. But all said, the rancho period, at least in Alta California, was not that long. Total, the period lasted not even 100 years. Nonetheless, this period has had a lasting impact 
on our culture and home design, uh, cultural notions of cowboys, as well as the uh, economy of California. Now, next time, we are going to have a special guest uh, from our sister podcast talking about the Mexican War for Independence. Um, we've already recorded that episode, and I'm very excited to bring it to you. Uh, it was a great conversation, and I learned a ton uh, from our next guest, and I know you will too. Until next time. Mm-hmm.